This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've got a great program for you today. We're going to be talking about uh, your security when it comes to things like two-factor authentication. I know it's crazy, crazy concept. Uh, Many people know what it is. Many don't, but they are using it. We're going to talk about the best way to make sure that your username and passwords are protected for your banking and Facebook and Amazon accounts and how to use two-factor authentication. I think it's a really good thing to understand, even if it sounds a little scary. And it might even add a little bit of extra time when you're trying to log in, but it's so much less time and aggravation than what happens if you don't have a secure and protected account. And again, you're prob- probably already using it, but we're going to tell you ways to make it even more secure and even easier to use as well. Some alternatives uh, to the, the different methods uh, out there. Let's talk about some of the uh, the app news this week, uh, John. Uh the U.S. has uh, removed Xiaomi's, am I even saying that right? The Chinese cell phone company? I think so, yeah. Xiaomi. Uh, their designation is a commun- communist Chinese military company. Yeah, which is strange. So uh, that's good for Xiaomi uh, mm-hmm. because, as you can see with Huawei, they're not doing so good <laughs> right now because the U.S. considers uh, them kind of a puppet of the Communist Party, essentially. Yeah, and even Huawei has come out and said that maybe we should pivot to software because hardware is getting really difficult without U.S. partners. Yeah. Uh, Also, something came up this week, uh, John. I just want to talk to the listeners about, uh, and this has happened a few times in my company, and I've heard from others as well. Uh, You know, we've got about 25 staff in the company here, and we get all sorts of crazy spam and scams all the time coming in. And this is a common one. It's uh, I call it the iTunes scam iTunes gift card scam. And it happened again this week. Basically, an email will come into, you know, one of your employees from you asking you to buy a bunch of gift cards that you can expense and, you know, you'll be reimbursed for. And so this has happened twice in my company in the past. And uh, unfortunately, two of my employees went out and spent like $1,500 on iTunes gift cards and Google gift cards. Wow. It's insane. But anyway, it happened again. Like two employees came to me uh, on Friday and basically asked, hey, do you want me to buy these gift cards for you? And it's the same email. The, the funny thing is, is anyone that knows you knows you would never address an email the way these spammers do. <laughs> and, and there was kind of a ridiculous, like, I, I can't talk right now. I'm busy. I'm on a call. So don't try to contact me to confirm this, basically, is what they were saying. Yeah. Which is just ridiculous. Like you're not going to just ask somebody randomly when we have so many other ways other than email to contact the employees. But it's worked twice in the past. Yeah. Which is uh, a shame. Uh, we did get the money back for them. Thank God. Uh, but, you know, the the lesson here is uh, always double check these things. Yes. And, and maybe, you know, make a policy that you're not going to ask your staff to buy stuff for you unless it's got a secret password or something in it. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Airbnb's, Airbnb's CEO uh, is saying that their platform could replace your landlord. He says deposits, long-term leases, and proof of income are outdated. What do you think? I think this is kind of an interesting idea because I guess it just depends on how it's going to be structured, right? Like um, if Airbnb is basically your property manager now, yeah, 
right? So you're you're basically renting long term from Airbnb. Yeah, they say a quarter of their bookings are longer than twenty eight days. Interesting. I don't think they'll replace landlords. Landlords, do you? No, but the thing is, like, I've never wanted to be a landlord. No. So I've never wanted to buy a bigger house than I need and rent out a room or a floor or something like that. But maybe if something like Airbnb was there to sort of manage all that problem, yeah. it'd be more attractive as a property owner. I, th- I think they're looking into it just because the nature of travel is changing. Uh, I saw an interesting uh, article from, uh, again, uh, the CEO of Airbnb, and he says that business travel has fundamentally changed forever. It was a very hard statement. Yeah, but although I think it has. Yeah, because uh, I think we recognize now, you know, I don't have to fly halfway around the world to have that meeting in no, in person. I, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's certain some things that certain things will still have to happen. The face-to-face contact, the networking, the the socializing with your peers, that kind of stuff is still going to have to happen. Uh, and people are craving to do that again. Uh, we were talking the other day about how crazy CES is going to be this year because it'll be the first t- or next year, uh, how crazy it'll be because everyone's going to, you know, been stuck at home for a year and a half. Yeah, they want to go to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I can see like the big conferences. I get that. Yeah. Because, you know, it's nice to have that face-to-face and, you know, kind of see the booths and, you know, go to these face-to-face um, speaking events and that. But, you know, for having meetings now, like, do you need to go all the way to uh, yeah, I mean, to I, New York or Toronto? or? I mean, it's always fun and it's kind of like a perk of that yeah. aspect of things. But yeah, unless there's like, you know, we get invited to a lot of things, or at least did, where they'll fly us somewhere like New York or Toronto or something like that just to show us a product that's not out yet because they yeah, can't send it for to one us. day. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that, I think that'll change. I don't think so. Yeah. You know how much, I can't even imagine the amount of money that these companies spend to do that. When they could just like send you the product for free. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, when Samsung has their events, yeah, they will fly us to New York City. Multiple asses. Yeah. And put us up in a hotel for a few nights for the big reveal of their new phone or laptop or what have you. And it's not a Motel 6. No, these are beautiful hotels. But they're flying in thousands of journalists from around the world. Yeah, That is tens of millions of dollars that they could cut down like to 2% of that. Yeah. Well, they're still giving everybody the product to review and yeah. you know see and stuff like that. But again, it's I'm on the fence about this because that's definitely... I think a perk of what we do. Yeah, but but th- at the end of the day, is it does it help us? Oh, we're, I'm gonna like talk more highly about that pr- that company or that product. No, it doesn't change that. But it's also good to press the flesh and and meet these other people that we're interacting with a lot, right? So it's it's their opportunity to do that as well, though. Yeah, I think it's gonna change. Yeah, I really do. Uh, another quick news item here, uh, John. Google now lets you password protect the page that shows all your searches. Yes, so you don't have to delete my uh, browser history anymore. I can just password protect it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I find that interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try that out this weekend <laughs> and see. Not that any, I mean, who's looking at my page and I'm not searching crazy stuff. You say that to deflect. Exactly. Uh, I want to throw it to our contest. Uh, we're giving away some cool stuff this month, including a TCL 20 Pro 5G smartphone and a TCL 4K 55-inch TV. This thing is all kinds of awesome. If you want extra entries into the contest 
And again, you can find out details at getconnectedmedia.com. We also are going to be saying a secret word at the end of the show. Using the secret word will get you extra entries to increase your chances to win one of these super awesome prizes. Yes. When we come back from the break, how to protect your identity. Super important stuff. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Don't forget to enter our contest. We're giving away some cool prizes this month. A TCL 20 Pro 5G. This is an amazing smartphone, amazing screen, and a TCL 55-inch 4K TV. And if you want extra entries, you'll have to stay tuned to the end of the program because we have a secret word that will uh, up your chances of winning. So stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about two-factor authentication. Okay, I know it doesn't sound very exciting, and I know a lot of listeners are like, oh my God, what is this? Well, this is something that is very important, especially in our digital age. It's a way of verifying and authenticating us when we're logging into different things like our bank accounts, Amazon accounts, pretty well everything now. And basically, when you log in with your password, that's kind of the first gate. Uh, But many times now, it also wants a second way to verify that it's you essentially. So uh, the big way they do this typically is through your cell phone. They will send you a text message with uh, a code that you have to put in to uh, verify uh, that it is you going into whatever account that you're trying to get into. And so we want to talk about some alternatives today. Uh, And the reason why is simple, because when you get these text messages, they're not always reliable. For example, Back in that Rogers outage, we were trying to get our COVID-19 vaccinations, John, and we couldn't because when we were uh, logging into the uh, the site, it wanted to send us a text message to authenticate us, but we couldn't because Rogers was down all day. Yeah, so we got our authentication messages at like 10 o'clock that night when they came back up for us. Which was too late. Yes. <laughs> and also one of our contributors uh, and producer, uh, Christina Stoyanova, she's actually working remotely now down in Honduras, uh, Rotan, which is this tropical island uh, off of Honduras. We all kind of hate her a little bit, but, you know, we'll get past that. And she is a problem because she logs into all these different accounts and services and she doesn't have her regular cell phone number anymore. So it's a problem. A huge problem for her because she can't even get into some of her bank accounts because they're requiring this authentication. And sometimes these things are even geolocated as well. So that could be a big problem that you need to fix before you go to Roatan and get that nice suntan. Well, we're going to come up with some solutions here. We've got a great guest on the line. His name is Carmi Levy, tech expert out of uh, Toronto, Ontario. Thanks for joining us, Carmi. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, is this a, a big problem, Carmi? Uh, this two-factor authentication now is kind of the norm now to make sure that we're not getting hacked. Uh, but as we gave a couple examples, uh, sometimes you don't have access to your, your cell phone and your text messages. Yeah, it's like one of those things. That it doesn't seem like it's a big problem until it is, until you're cut off. And then, of course, it's a very big problem. And the problem here is that the industry, as, the, as, as organizations, companies, uh, service providers, platforms, as they push toward two-factor two or dual-factor authentication, which they should. We all want a second lock on the door. We need this. Um, they've settled on text-based or SMS-based uh, solutions as kind of the answer and pretty much everyone's got uh, you know we'll send you a text it'll have a number in it just enter it and that'll be your second you know second form of, of, uh, of authentication so when it works it's great but you know as you know per Chris's example 
we don't always have uh, reliable access to cell phone service. Sometimes we're out of country. Sometimes the system is down. Um, you know, we've seen SIM swapping and SIM jacking attacks where hackers deliberately target our phones and redirect our phone numbers somewhere else. Then, of course, they use that to get into all of our accounts. And so it, it works for a lot of people, but there are some very serious concerns about whether it is the right solution for all of us. And so, you know, and we've seen with the Rogers outage, with, um, you know, the rise in, in cyber crime, we've seen that, you know, it's got a very weak underbelly and we've got to look at alternatives or we could be victimized going forward. Or, you know, even if we aren't being targeted, we'll simply be significantly inconvenienced because we won't be able to get into the services that we count on. And I think that's a, a big problem that some people have with these, you know, the whatever service that they're connected to saying, hey, we want to turn on two-factor authentication for you. It's an extra step that is an inconvenience for some people. And like, mm. no, I just know my password. I'll just type it in. It's fine. <laughs> like, and it, we're all good. Yeah, well, you know, I always remind people, you know, security is not an absolute thing. It's a balance thing. We always have to decide what that appropriate level of balance is. In other words, how much inconvenience are we willing to put up with up front in order to remain secure? Just like your security at your house. How, how quickly do you want to get into your house when you get home? Do you just want to have one lock on the door? In which case you can get in really quickly and it's fairly easy, uh, but then you're vulnerable because if someone picks that, that you know, relatively cheap lock, you're you're in a world of hurt versus do you want to have 10 locks on your front door in which case your house is going to be ultra secure but it's going to take you 45 minutes to get in and out of your house every day so digital security is exactly the same thing we're always deciding you know how many layers do we want to put on and i think at least a second layer or a second lock is reasonable because as i remind people whenever they ask me and they say the same thing it's so inconvenient it's such a hassle i just want my my browser my phone my tablet to remember my password and so i can easily get into all of my services Think about what happens if you are victimized in a breach. Think of what happens if your username and password falls into the wrong hands. Think about the amount of time and energy and heartbreak it'll take to come back from that. And I've walked people through recovery. It's a lot bigger hassle than simply putting in a, you know, a four digit or a six digit pin over and above your password. So think about that balance. A little inconvenience up front is worth saving a heck of a lot of heartbreak later on. I think you just touched on a, well, a nerve for me because one of the scary things is uh, when you realize that maybe there's a hack in progress, I've gotten some notifications fairly recently that someone was attempting to change the password on my Instagram account, for example. Mm -hmm. It's not the end of the world. They're not breaking into my house, but it's it's an account that I, I care about. So, um, But knowing there's somebody on the other side of that door that's trying to pick that lock, getting that notification that, hey... You know, if this was you, click OK. If it wasn't you, then we have a problem, you know. And mm -hmm. so then it just gives you that peace of mind that knowing that the locks are working and that you're protected as opposed to finding out a week later that you've been hacked for a week and you had no idea because they were able to take advantage of your poor security, basically. Well, you know, what the problem yeah, is uh, yeah. most most people don't change their username and password for all the different things that they're logging into. So if hackers get a hold of that username and, and password, it's highly likely that you probably don't change it from your different accounts and they can just use that same set of credentials and just like blanket everything. Well, and it's not like they have to go to all those sites and type it. They just have a bot that runs and does exactly. all that mm -hmm. stuff. So it's super easy for them once they get a, a known good set of credentials. 
Exactly. So, we, and we've made it easy because we use the same usernames and passwords for multiple sites, all the popular ones, so they know to sort of hit them all. Uh, and we don't change them frequently. And when there is a major breach announced, we aren't taking the time to go into our accounts and, uh, and, and kind of update things and tighten our security settings, change the passwords to new ones so that even if they, they use our old credentials, they're going to run up against a brick wall because we've changed them on them. So this is one of those cases in, that where we have to stop being ostriches. We have to stop sticking our heads in the sand. We've got to start opening our eyes a little bit and being a little bit more aware of those risks out there and being prepared to invest a little bit of time. It doesn't take a lot, uh, but a little bit of time up front when stuff like this happens so that uh, you know when those strangers half a world away decide to start pinging on our accounts, they're going to run up against a block and they won't be able to break it in. Well, so we've been talking about two-factor uh, two authentication. This is like kind of your second password uh, for the important sites out there. And pretty well, most of them are, are using uh, this now. And, you know, just back to what most people use, it's their cell phones. It's the text messages. And it is a problem for me because where I live in South Surrey, I think God has shut off the cell service in my neighborhood. You know, I just can't get reliable service and the text messages come infrequently. So I'm constantly struggling uh, with it. So I think we all agree two-factor authentication is important. We should be using it. We have to be using it. And I think we've scared a lot of people, Carmi. So we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the alternatives to using text messaging on your cell phone. Uh, other ways that might be a little more reliable to, to do that second layer of security. You're listening to The App Show. Back after this. You are back with the program, Mike and John here. We're talking about two-factor authentication. You probably have heard of it. You are most likely using it, but don't know what it fully means. Essentially, it's the second layer of security on your accounts. You've got your username and your password when you're logging into your bank account, but many times now it'll act ask for a second way to verify that it's you. Typically that's done through a text message. I love Carmi's uh, analogy of referring it to as like the deadbolt on your front door. Exactly. It's the second lock yeah. on your front door. We have Carmi Levy on the line. He's a tech expert uh, out of uh, Toronto, Ontario. I want to talk now, Carmi, about the alternatives. Uh, as we were saying before, getting a text message is not always the most reliable way for that second factor authentication. And you've got a, a few suggestions on uh, some other ways uh, that it could work. Yeah, so there's a category. First of all, if your phone has a fingerprint reader or facial recognition, which most popular phones today do, um, you can use that as your second factor uh, of authentication. In fact, many services will support it because it is so widespread and so widely available. So, uh, you know, all you really need to do is go into your settings and make sure that you're using the biometric features of your phone to authenticate into as many services as possible. And so that's one option when you're using your phone. Uh, another popular solution is what's known as the Authenticator app. So Google has one, Microsoft has one, there's another, another, one, another one called Authy, A-U-T-H-Y. Or if you use a password management app like LastPass or Dashlane, they have Authenticator capability built into it. And basically it works very similar to the SMS solutions, except it doesn't rely on your cell phone. It doesn't rely on a cell phone connection. Doesn't rely on your SIM card. Uh, so that app can be it can it can be on your phone. It can be on your computer. It can be on your tablet, and and you can you can use it to access all of your services. It will then send you uh, similar. It'll send you a six or an eight or a four digit number that is updated every thirty seconds, and then you have about thirty seconds or a minute or so, depending on the settings, to enter that 
that one-time password or OTP, and then you're in. So is it a bit of a hassle? Yeah, because you've got to step out, you've got to open up the app, you've got to see what number it gives you, you've got to make sure that you get it in before the time, so if you're a slow typist, you've got to move quickly. Uh, but again, it keeps you super safe because I can guarantee you that no hacker, no cyber criminal would be able to pick off that 30 second or 60 second password and do anything with it before it expires. And so it's really secure, a little less convenient, but it also addresses all of the issues that we have with those cell phone based uh, uh, one-time password solutions that are already in place out there. So it bypasses them. Um, and if that doesn't work for you, this will. Do these authenticator apps work with every service or does the service have to decide that they're gonna support Google Authenticator or something like that? Yeah, most services have to support it first. In other words, it has to be in the settings. And so it is gonna take a little bit of doing, you gotta, you, gotta up, you gotta install the app first of all, set yourself up on it. Then you have to go into the service and you have to connect it to that app, make sure that they speak to each other so that it knows that, okay, when I sign in, I'm gonna be getting a number from the Google Authenticator. The good news is, is the two most popular ones, Google and Microsoft, are responsible for the lion's share of all of the web services and apps that you and I would probably use in the course of a given day. So, you know, most of the big ones are all covered. All the social media platforms, pretty much every bank, financial services institution recognizes these as well. So these have become standards. All you need to do is go into the settings and set them up. And if you're not sure, uh, you can also ask the institution that you're working with. You know, my bank is very familiar with them. They walk me through setting it up on my phone. Uh, if you work for a company, of course, your ID department, your help desk, your service desk, they know how to set it up as well. And in fact, many companies, because everyone's working remotely now, they in fact insist on having all this stuff set up before they'll support you out of your home office. So the world is already very, very uh, kind of aware of these tools and every, everything pretty much works seamlessly with them. So where do people find these, uh, like the Google and Microsoft ones? What are they called? Go, go into the app stores, the Google Authenticator or the Microsoft Authenticator, and they're in the iOS and the Google app stores, um, and they're free, uh, so there is no cost to them. Uh, for some of the the, the, the password-based solutions, so for example, LastPass, there is a free version, and then there's a, a pay version, but, uh, but you can get authentication services in the free versions of everything, so none of this will cost you anything if you don't want it to, um, and you can very easily get these apps, and you're not limited to one. Like, I've got both the Google and the Microsoft versions on all of my devices and I, I use them interchangeably. Uh, what about desktop PCs and Macs? Uh, same thing. So in many cases, you can either access it through the web um, so again, all that information is on the download page of the particular service. Uh, or uh, if you're using Google Chrome or some other browser that supports extensions or add-ins, uh, there are extensions and add-ins that will allow you to one-click uh, access it through your browser as well. So the nice thing is, is for example, whether you're signing, if you want to sign into your bank, you don't have to worry, gee, am I on my phone? Am I on my iPad? Am I on my laptop? There is a solution for all of them and it works seamlessly across all of them as well. We're talking all about two-factor authentication. I know it's not a sexy topic, but it's something that you really need to know about. You're probably already using it. We've talked uh, today here with Carmi Levy about some of the alternatives as well. Typically, most people are using their smartphone. Uh, getting a text message is kind of that second lock uh, to make sure that uh, you are the person uh, who you say are, uh, you are when you're logging into your bank account or, you know, your Amazon account uh, for that matter. And again, most websites and, and apps are using this now because uh, it's just so easy to hack like the one username and password. And then, you know, the hackers can use that for all your accounts. And 
you're out of business, <laughs> essentially. Uh, and again, some of the alternatives uh, we talked about today, Google Authenticator and Microsoft Authenticator, and they're available in the appropriate app stores. Uh, Carmi, I want to thank you for joining us today and, and walking us through this. Wonderful being here. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. And don't forget to stay till the end of the program where we're going to give you our secret word for the contest, giving away a TCL smartphone and 4K TV. And uh, this secret word will get you extra entries into the contest. Back after this. You are back with the program, Mike and John here. We're going to talk arcade games now and specifically Apple Arcade, uh, a subscription service from Apple that gets you over a hundred really cool, high quality games that you can play on your iPad, Apple TV, or even your iPhone. On the line to tell us all about it, Ted Kritsonos from Toronto. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Thanks for having me, guys. So Apple Arcade's been around for a little while now. Um, I, I have it because I subscribed to their Apple One service, which just gets it thrown in. I haven't used it extensively, uh, but tell our, tell our uh, listeners uh, a little bit more about it. Well, it's actually almost up to 200 games now. So uh, as, of, as of the spring of 2021, Apple says it's over 180 games. So you imagine that will be close to 200 probably pretty soon. And essentially what we have here is a platform where you are not streaming games. These are games that you're going to be downloading to your device, the, assuming that you have a device that is compatible and you're just playing the games that way. These, for the most part, are not console-level games. Like, it's, it's, they're not that extensive, although, you know, there are some on there that uh, certainly look like they could be. And, but for the most part, a lot of these are casual or, like, really kind of neat little games you can play that, um, that have been getting better and better as the service has been going on here. But the, uh, yeah, I've tried a few of them. Uh, there's like that Frogger, 3D Frogger one, for example, that I really like. Uh, these <laughs> these games look great. Like you know, for a casual gamer, they're fantastic. That's the thing is, I I think one of the things that Apple was striving to accomplish here was to maintain a, a level of consistency. And uh, I mentioned that throughout in the article I wrote because not only is it from a graphics perspective because obviously we want the games not to you know not to have any problems and that's partly why it's not streaming i think is that when it downloads to your device you don't have to worry about any buffering or any other issues like that so you can play that way there are there is a multiplayer element to some games although not necessarily playing with others online uh in that regard although you can uh in some cases you can like hand off you know like in the old days where it's like okay it's your turn. You hand off their controller to your friend, and then they, you know, take a crack at the same thing that you played. Uh, there's that too. So there, it, it, it is a bit old school, kind of in the way that they've presented things here. And certainly, some of the games are obviously inspired by some games. I mean, there's some games on there that are clearly inspired by Super Mario and some other games. But you know, uh, there, there's there's a lot of stuff that I don't think people will recognize right away but I think they would recognize how the games play. I think one interesting thing too, Ted, is that uh, you can actually pair a controller with some of these games. Not all of them, because some are touch-based, but there's a lot that you can actually, like you mentioned, you can have a controller, and in this case, it can be a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox controller that you just Bluetooth pair with your phone, and then you can play that, you know, your phone or your Apple TV or what have you. You can even, I guess, cast your Apple your, your phone to your TV uh, and then play it on the big screen. Oh, you, yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. And yes, uh, the compatibility is actually quite nice. I should mention, though, uh, uh, because this ties in, 
that if you are going to play Apple Arcade, you have to have an Apple device. So we are talking basically an iPhone, an iPad, or an Apple TV that is running uh, iOS 13 or iPad OS or you know or, or um, TV OS 13 or later. And then on a Mac, it's got to be running Catalina or later. Okay, so you have that. Then we have the controllers. You're right, PlayStation and Xbox controllers. You can just pair them. It's very easy, and that way you can play games that are compatible with controllers. Some games will only be touch-based, so there is that too. The TV, uh, the Apple TV part of this is kind of neat too because that way you're able to play a game on a TV, of course, or as you mentioned, if you wanted to like mirror your display uh, from an iPhone or iPad onto the TV, you can do that as well. So. It's, it's gotten better. I mean, it certainly has gotten better as to how you play these games from when Apple first launched this. And I'm curious to see where they go from it from here. But it looks like the walled garden is going to be in place. I don't expect that we'll be able to play these on Android or Windows anytime soon. What's the monthly price on this? It's a subscription service. So it's either $5.99 a month or you're paying 60 bucks for the 12 months. I should mention, though, that it, not every game on this platform is exclusive to Apple Arcade. Some games are available on Android or Windows. Some are even available on the App Store away from Apple Arcade as well. But one of the big differences is that Apple does not allow any in-game purchases. So there's no like ads, there's no in-game purchases, there's nothing like that. Basically, you're paying monthly to play these games and you're not gonna be asked for a dime beyond that. I kind of like that because uh, I'm a casual gamer now. Uh, I just don't have the time to get in depth on some of these, uh, you know, big console titles or, or PC titles. Uh, but I've tried downloading some games, Ted, on my iPhone, and I hate them because either A, I have to have an internet connection, so if I'm offline, it won't work. And B, um, I would just I just want to pay for the damn thing. You know what I mean? I don't want to be bombarded with all these in-app purchases to actually play the game properly or, or you know, keep literally paying like hundreds of dollars <laughs> over the, the lifespan of this game. Yeah, and actually I should mention that's a very good point because some people might get confused that they see the same game twice, Yeah. right? So what Apple does is they put a plus symbol at the end of the title of a game which d that denotes that that game is an Apple, uh, Apple Arcade version, right? Whereas the one that isn't, uh, is just the regular one that's available in the App Store. This is particularly for games that are available in the App Store already uh, that Apple has also included in its, in its platform, right? Uh, but that's just one distinction I mentioned in the article as well, but it's one distinction that I think people should note that think like, oh, is this like a different version of the same game? No, it's just, just from you know a different platform, so to speak. That's all. But go ahead. So Ted, in, in your opinion, uh, overall, is the value there? Six bucks a month. Depends how much you're playing. Honestly, it really depends how much you're playing because if you got to think about it, if you're playing, if you're paying six bucks a month, but you're you're playing so casually that you're really only picking up a game maybe a few times a month, you got to then gauge like, is it worth it or is it better to you know maybe pay monthly for a month that you know you're going to play a lot more, maybe you're traveling or something like that, you're going to play a little bit more. Uh, or, or do you pay yearly and then just use it as much as you feel you're going to? I don't know. I, I, I think, I think it's a the price is okay. I just don't know if people are going to like every game that's on there or a lot of the games that are on there, which is why the free trial is so much worth it. I think before you even jump in. Yeah, and I think that's the key thing because I actually paid for it before it became part of Apple One subscription, and 
I actually unsubscribed because I just didn't, the games just weren't my thing, at least at the time. This was when they but, first launched. But they got 180 games now. There must no, be no. something in there now. I'm sure there is, yeah. And I don't have to worry about because it's all included. I'm not thinking about it as a $6 a month subscription. So, uh, so Ted, uh, the big thing is, though, once you stop subscribing, those games are gone, right? <laughs> They're not right. on your phone anymore. The, the games are gone. Your saved progress is gone. All of it's gone. Six bucks. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to learn more about this, Ted has done an amazing article about Apple Arcade up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. It work, uh, goes through everything you need to know uh, about the subscription service uh, and you know some of the types of games uh, available as well. Ted, as always, I want to thank you for joining us and uh, enlightening us uh, about it. Much appreciated, guys. Thanks so much. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, Get Connected. It's on every Saturday across the country, Saturday nights in Toronto. Kind of a general show about tech, smart homes, uh, laptops, smart cars, electric cars. Uh, We've got some cool content uh, there. And as we've been promising through the show here, we have a secret word for the contest uh, people out there. We're giving away a TCL Pro 20 Pro 5G and a TCL 55-inch 4K TV. A couple huge prizes there. And if you want an extra bunch of entries, we have a secret word for you, John. The secret word, I guess it's kind of a phrase, but it's all one word, no space. TCL rocks. TCL rocks. Uh, Again, go to our contest page at getconnectedmedia.com. And there are instructions there on how to enter that word in to get those extra entries to kind of up your chances a bit. Yeah, you do have to sort of do a little work to see where to enter the secret word because we get a lot of emails from people saying, I can't find where to put it. Like, well, you need to register. You need to go through the steps. All the instructions are there and it will reveal the spot for you for your secret word entry once you've done a few other things like subscribe to our newsletter. And, you know, just visit our website in general. Again, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got all sorts of great videos, how-to uh, content up there, uh, great subscription series uh, articles uh, as well. So it's your tech home. Again, I want to thank everyone that helps put the show together. John, of course, my co-host and producer, and Christina back at the studio as well. We will see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.